0: And we're back on the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast with Podcast Guy. wow well, thanks for having me, man. Be talking to some of the fans up in the, the Pacific Northwest.
1: Your are got him, yeah. Pretty good, darling. Pretty good. Yo! We're the Boros Twins. They know we by like to the over to the horror show.
0: Freaking me out, man. <laughs> Freaking me out, Joe! We are leaving the station! Hell Train, take us out! Hey, hello everyone. This is the L Train, and this is the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast, episode one hundred and sixty nine. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate it each and every week when you got the time to check out the uh, show. Dude, I just want to say real quick, uh not gonna talk too much this week. I got a you know, show that lasts maybe uh hour, ten, fifteen minutes, so I'm not gonna BS too much here except for I just wanna say how about them Seahawks, you know. Whipped that ass. Defense maybe gave up a couple more points than they probably should have. But it is what it is. And, uh, dude, I was proud of him. Russell Wilson looked freaking amazing. The receiving core, other than uh, DK dropping a ball. Uh, you know, but other than that, they looked really good. Uh, dude, the safety on the defense that we brought in. And for the life of me, I didn't write this down. I can't remember his name. Last name Allen, maybe. But, uh, dude, that guy was all over the place, sacking, like, defense, just extravaganza with that guy and uh loved his hustle uh you know doesn't look like uh those couple picks that we gave up uh you know it looks like maybe they're worth it is what i'm trying to say so uh go hawks can't wait till next uh sunday night on sunday night football seeing them take on the patriots can't talk about my fantasy team they got their asses uh handed to them this week but uh talk about that another time but um dude as this podcast drops it's wednesday and tonight it's uh Pizza and wrestling night, and uh, can't wait, AEW Dynamite, and I look forward to it each and every week, can't wait what they got cooked up for us, you know, looking forward too much to uh, seeing uh, Evil E's taking on the one and only Thunder Rosa, seeing Thunder Rosa at uh, all out against uh shida was just an amazing amazing match i think they stole the show pretty much uh, i mean there were some great wrestling matches on there don't get me wrong but uh i think they uh took it to the next level but uh really looking forward to seeing uh, evil ease and thunder rosa you know thunder rosa nwa uh, world champion and then uh evil ease man i remember her days on uh, lucha underground uh, some great matches on there uh, crazy matches you know but uh man really Really, really, really looking forward to AEW Night, ordering that pizza, kicking back with the misses, and uh, just chilling. Uh. But anyway, uh, this week, I finally got to chat with the commish and ring announcer for Without a Cause, Taylor Bartle. And uh, dude, we talk about everything in the kitchen sink, his projects, Grave Plot podcast, Cascadia Sports Network, Brain Buster's Tease, Without a Cause, ring announcing, much, 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 much. More Man, I hope you really enjoy this podcast, I enjoyed talking to uh, him, just uh, like, you know, we talked like, it was about an hour and 15 minutes, something like that, from what I'm remembering now, but uh, long podcast, it uh, seemed like the time just passed like nothing, and uh, can't uh, wait to talk to that guy another time, man, Uh, so anyway, check it out, listen to this podcast, and uh, you know, all of our podcasts, over on most podcast platforms. Over on most podcast platforms, easy for me to say, right? But, uh, you know, all the main ones, iTunes and Spotify and those type things. And then, um, you know, for the recent ones, like the last year or so, head over to SoundCloud and type in the PWOM Podcast Network, and uh, it'll bring up the uh, Bigfoot Podcast, a bunch more that are on that network, man. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, at BFPW Podcast, like always. And then uh, let me tell you what's happening next week. He's returning to the podcast. This guy's done great things since leaving the indie scene uh, a bit ago. Uh, went on to Ring of Honor. Has held the World 6-Man Tag Team Championship with the uh, Villain Enterprise Enterprises, excuse me. Uh the World Tag Team Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship of Ring of Honor and uh it is the one and only PCO. He returns after a couple year hiatus from being with me on the show. He's been busy busy busy. Doing lots of things so he's returning Uh, and we're gonna talk a breeze. We're gonna we're gonna talk the breeze That sounded really good. We're gonna kick back We're gonna shoot the breeze and have a great talk and uh, I can't wait for you to check it out. Anyway I am the L train. Thanks for tuning in and I'm leaving the station Yo, this is the L train and let me tell you where the greatest nachos on the planet today will be at this coming week. Thursday, September the 17th, Optimism Brewing, Capitol Hill, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., a nice little evening jaunt, if you will. Go get yourself some nachos, go get some grapefruits. Friday, September 18th. Postdoc Brewing in Redmond, 4 30 to 8 p.m. Jump on it, yo. And then Saturday, Carn Brewing on September the 19th in Kenmore from 4 to 8 p.m., yo. Sunday, September the 20th, Ridgecrest Public House in Shoreline. 5 to 8 p.m. Specials this week, yo. You can also find out this information at NachoMamaSeattle.com. Tijuana nachos. Cheese and Fontina cheese sauce. Tijuana braised beef. Pickled jalapenos or jalapenos. Pickled red onions and cilantro. And then... Go get that sweet tooth thing, if you will. Mexican chocolate caramel brownies. The best on the planet today. The best nachos on the planet today. The best food truck on the planet today. Nacho Mamas. Chris and Sandra. Nacho Mamas food truck. Seattle.com At Nacho Mamas SCA on Twitter. At Nacho Mamas Seattle on Instagram and facebook hashtag nachos and beer hashtag nacho mama's seattle go get it
1: so tell your back on the wolf pack you might wind up in a body bag
0: Yo, this is the L-Train. We're back for another great Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast. And uh get to talk to a good dude today, man. Uh, he's uh, the commissioner and ring announcer for Without a Cause, but he's also got a bunch of other projects going on, too, man. His name's uh, Taylor Bartle, man. How's it going?
1: Not bad. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Did I pronounce that last name right? You did. Okay, just double-checking. Like, I didn't double I usually try to double-check before we hit the button. I was like, I think that's how he says it, because I've heard it in person before, <laughs> yeah, a
1: lot, of, a lot of people say Bartel, but no, it's,
0: it's Bartel. Bartel, okay, Bartel, Bartol, gotcha. But man, how's it going tonight, man? Uh, you know, we're trying to set this up a couple times. Uh, we were going to do it one time, and then uh, both of us kind of decided to take a uh, a break from podcasting, man. So, uh, so how you been?
1: Not bad. I'm uh, kind of sweating in my living room right now. This smoking stuff that's going on is really kind of messing with everything.
0: Oh man, it's nasty. I've never seen, I mean, what was it, last year, the two years ago, we had some pretty bad smoke where the, we even had ash and stuff falling down, you know, we came out in the in the morning to get in the car for work, there was that ash all over the stuff, man, it was, I think it was a couple years ago, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it really sucks, you know, trying to go out and do anything, you pretty much have to stay inside, you don't want to go out and be breathing that, trying to jog or, you know, take a walk or anything like that. How bad is it up there where you were? You are up in Everett, right? Uh, no, I'm in Ballard. Ballard. Oh, okay. You're a lot closer to me than I thought you were.
1: Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I can't see the the farthest tree line that I can usually see. So that's completely gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. There, there's no really fires or nothing going on in Ballard, though, right? No. Good, good. Everyone's safe there. We had some stuff going on in Sumner here. I've had some friends, uh, a part of some stuff like that. But everything's good now, and uh, hopefully you'll shit'll stay that way you know i think it was bad here but in oregon and california it seems like uh, even worse there
1: yeah really hoping we get some rain soon
0: hey so you said you're up in ballard man Uh, i used to live in ballard for a few years uh when i was with my uh first wife uh we moved in up in ballard there Uh, i really enjoyed it up there man like everything a lot of stuff's in walking distance things like that uh how is it up there these days yeah,
1: that, that's what we really like about it is, you know, if we need to go to the grocery store or if we want to go out for a drink or something, everything's within walking distance. We're not big drivers, so it's anytime we can walk within somewhere, that's it's always a big plus for us. So We really like it up here.
0: Oh, back when I lived there, it was like uh, right around 2000, I think it was. And uh, they had just opened up that uh, Majestic Theater down on, uh, I think it's, what is it ballard avenue right down there um and that was really cool i think the first movie we saw there was uh remember the titans was the first thing they played there have you i'm sure you've seen some movies in there Mm -hmm. yeah it was really nice because i think the folks from long acres had came in and kind of bought it up if you're familiar with the long acre people that used to own the long acre family that owned you know long acres and stuff like that and i remember going in there the first time and they're passing out t-shirts and all this stuff and um the guy was there, one of the the family members, and he came up and gave a big speech. All the stuff they did into it, man. It's a it's a really nice theater, and I love that little area down there, which is kind of your favorite restaurants around in there.
1: Um, well, I'm I'm big on dive bars, so I, I like the old peculiar. Um, <laughs> uh, little Woody's has great hamburgers. Um, you know, a bunch of the coffee shops down there. Mm-hmm. Uh king's hardware is another great great little dive bar
0: <laughs> there's a couple down right right off that area there where the matador is down that little side street uh mm-hmm. man they used to like have rock bands and stuff in there i can't remember the name of those places like the sunset maybe or and something yeah, else Sunset down there. tractor tractor that's it yeah yeah those were some good times you ever watch some rock shows in there or any kind of shows i guess
1: yeah i went and saw the movie life did like a reunion tour and i saw them at the
0: sunset oh man that's nice so you can go down there you know get your uh, rock club on your show and have a few drinks with the cocktails or whatever and then kind of jump on a bus or whack, walk back home right just walk back yeah yeah i just lived up 24th there about 65th avenue just cause oh, there okay, used to be a yeah. little barber shop and a uh, tavern there though and yeah, i'm uh, not far from there Yeah, you know, okay yeah that's a cool little area and then i used to get up take walks down to the the locks and around to the golden gardens man that's a great area
1: yeah we really like it
0: <laughs> how long you been there
1: uh almost three years
0: oh, okay so you weren't born and raised up in ballard then no oh okay so man uh just to get into some other stuff today did you watch the hawks i think you're a hawk fan right
1: yeah i'm all seattle sports fan so uh <laughs> yeah I, I did watch the hawks
0: oh man that was a look, blast
1: looked, uh, looked damn good
0: they did i didn't i didn't expect them all to look that great you know i mean there were some issues here and there obviously but you know They they looked really good. The timing was on, especially that offense. Uh, It seemed like the first couple drives, and then I don't know what they did for a couple drives after that. But then they kind of really uh, stuck it in gear. Russell Wilson looked freaking amazing. He's got so many weapons out there, man. What's that?
1: said he was cooking, as they say.
0: Oh, yeah, he was definitely cooking, man. Uh, So what were your thoughts uh, top to bottom on that uh, Seahawk victory? Even though they kind of gave it up a little bit at the end, they kind of gave up some points they probably shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I th- think the run defense is is still needs to tighten up. The secondary is going to be awesome, I think, especially with uh, Adams joining. Um, but I mean, if once you let Russell go, I think that the offense is just going to flow because he really knows what he's doing out there, and he's great at the the option plays.
0: I loved it. The offensive line, for the most part, you know, blocked better than I've seen that team's offensive line block in a little while. And you can see what happens when Russell actually gets the time. Or they give him some time, at least then he kind of just rolls one way or another. He doesn't necessarily have to leave the pocket. And he was just diamond people, you know. DK, other than that drop, and maybe another drop, looked uh, really damn good. And, you know, all of them from top to bottom. I just thought the offense looked just great.
1: I love that they went right back to DK right after the drop. Mm -hmm. You know, he scored that touchdown. It just, you know, it's, it's good to keep the guy's confidence up. By like just going right back to him and showing him that you still believe in him, right after that drop.
0: Oh, and you were mention the new safety, Adams. Man, uh, thoughts on that guy? He was all over the place. He was blitzing. He was like, you know, he was guarding uh, Julio Jones a couple times. Man, uh, he even had a sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tore that guy up. But uh yeah, yeah, he's good. He's really good, man. And I think he's inspired a lot of those uh guys on the defense that were probably here already, like uh Griffin, you know. I think he got beat one time or got a penalty, but other than that, he he Lewis looked pretty sharp today too.
1: Yeah. Uh when we first read for Adams, I was like, We gave up way too much. <laughs> but now watching him in action, I'm like, maybe it was worth it.
0: Oh man. Were you catching any of that uh Patriots game at all? Or not Patriots, excuse me. Uh any of the uh Oh God! Buccaneers game. No. No. Uh, I watched. Uh, we watched. Uh, Brady looked really good in the first drive, and then after that, they kind of shut down. I think they were down like seventeen-seven or something at halftime or something. But it was kind of weird seeing him in that uh, in that uniform.
1: I'd love to see them bring back the uh, the creamsicle orange jerseys. <laughs> see Brady wearing one of those.
0: Oh yeah, that'd be really cool. The old school ones with the orange and the little Buccaneer thing on the helmet. Yeah, that was. I like those days. That's that's back in my day. Yeah. <laughs> Actually when I was growing up anyway. But yeah, that was a lot of fun uh, watching that, man. What do you think they're going to What do you think the Hawks are going to do this year? What's your uh What do you think?
1: Uh I'm going to say 12 and 4.
0: You think first place or you think the Niners? Scheduled.
1: Uh The the NFC West is so good this year, which is just so weird. It's always been such a terrible division, and all of a sudden all the teams are good. Um,
0: well, even Arizona, I think they could be a sleeper with that little quarterback they got, man. That guy's dangerous.
1: Well, yeah, and they just get, uh, gave Buda Baker the biggest contract in for uh, safety in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough division
0: for sure. Yeah, I think I think we'll be right in there. I'm thinking eleven and five, but you know, kind of right with you. I think more of a wild card. Maybe San Fran will one up us, but gonna depend yeah, on those head to head matchups. But you know, disgust me to say that, but might be the way it is. <laughs> but we'll, you know, who knows? Maybe this defense, if they show it up like you were talking about, you know, anything could happen because I think that offense is gonna as long as injuries don't happen to the line and the running backs. You know, on the weapons because they got tight ends all day, you know. So hopefully they'll get it done. I think they'll be a a wild card team, but I think they might get to the championship round. I don't know.
1: They're gonna be tough.
0: It is. It is, man. So a little, uh, you know. Sometimes I look over people's websites, find some funny things to talk about or whatever it might be. But I was looking at yours and uh, one of your social media things, whatever it was, and I saw you were getting ready to watch uh, AEW all out, and you had a little a bottle of the little bit of the bubbly there. You were gonna make some mimosas and you know, for a mimosa mayhem. And, uh, so tell us about getting a bottle of that stuff, man. Uh, how was it?
1: It's pretty good. Um, I, I didn't have real high expectations cause it's, you know, it's promotional
0: basically, but, <laughs> uh,
1: I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I got two bottles of it for Christmas last year oh. and I just finally got a chance to crack into it.
0: Man, you were. And I, I drank
1: almost a whole bottle by myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did you get a good little, uh, little buzz off of that thing watching the show? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> did you mix it with the? Did you have it as mimosa style, though, or did you just take that bottle and start drinking out of it?
1: No, I was drinking mimosas, <laughs> but I started before the show started, and since Mimosas oh. and Mayhem was the main event, I had to just keep drinking mimosas throughout the whole show.
0: <laughs> so, are both bottles gone now, or did you just polish off that one? Just the one. Oh, okay. So you're better than me. I probably would have got a little excited, especially starting that early in the, uh, like you said, the main event wasn't till until later on in the show, man. But, uh, you know, speaking of that show, man, uh, what'd you think of that show? I thought it was a good show. You know, it didn't have a lot of maybe big surprises or people showing up, you know, which some people expect with the pay-per-views now, but I thought the wrestling from top to bottom was really good. Uh, Thunder Rosa, I loved seeing her, you know, that we've seen her great. without a cause before. It might've been the best match on the entire card, but uh, what'd you think of the show, man?
1: Overall, I thought it was really good. There was, you know, a, a couple kind of scary moments with with Darby in the body bag, and then you know Matt Sidell falling off the top rope, and then of course Matt Hardy. Uh, that whole thing was. I, I still am not convinced that he didn't have a concussion. Yeah. They keep telling us that he didn't, but he, you know, he couldn't walk. So it was scary, and it, it just it kind of. Put this cloud over the rest of the event, but mm-hmm. like you said, overall I think I think the wrestling was really good. Um, I thought the main event was really good. It was, you know, it was stupid fun, which is what <laughs> wrestling is supposed to be. So, and the the title match was really good.
0: Oh man, I thought the Mox and MJF was pretty off the hook. It was a great match. I think a lot of people thought MJF would go over in that. I was thinking it was a little too early for him he had to Keep Mox in there for a while, you know, and uh, make MJF kind of maybe earn his way back you know somehow the the you know someone else was kind of saying that too it's kind of the journey now for him to to get back to it because he's a super amazing hero you know, the way he talks and his in-ring work and it looks on his face even you know
1: yeah and he's like his commitment he, either he has a real strong commitment to kayfabe or he's just a huge dick in real life because <laughs> you know i went to Starcast last year and he's you know, the way he talks to people coming up to buy his shirts, he's just being an asshole to him. And so he just, he keeps that character at all times. That's
0: well, so what I see, even on, you know, Twitter and Facebook, you never see him like saying, oh, you know, that's great, thanks, or something like that. You right. know? it's like, yeah. you know, F you, you know, whatever it might be. And he's it, great. He reminds me of that super old school kind of heel or, you know, wrestler just in general that they, they keep the kayfabe. They're not breaking it for no one, even on social media. That's uh, it's good to see a guy like that these days. Yeah. And then it looks like, like they're
1: setting up a new program for him and Wardlow, which should be interesting.
0: Oh yeah. That'll be good. That'll be really good. And then, uh, of course, I mentioned it. Thunder Rosa taking on uh, Sheeta, you know, for the AEW woman Belt, man. And uh, I thought that match was maybe the match of the night. If not, it was close, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? And then thoughts seeing, you know, Thunder Rosa on TV with the NWA belt. We've seen her in person at Without a Cause.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that was probably match of the night. I think Sheeta could have, you know, at least a four star match with a broom. She's <laughs> fantastic. And then Thunder Rosa is just, you know, she's the NWA women's champ. So obviously she's extremely talented as well. So I was really excited for that match and it, it lived up to my expectations for sure.
0: Oh man, it was, uh, it was wonderful. And I think she's going to be back on, uh, I think they're on this Wednesday night. I got to double check, you know, with the basketball stuff that's going on, but, uh, she's defending the NWA belt this, uh, Wednesday night, if I remember right. Yeah, against Eva Oh, that's right. Eva man. It was great seeing her, too, after seeing her on uh, Lucha Underground, you know, all those years. And, you know, she's been on AEW recently.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, her and Diamante. Did
0: you watch uh, much Lucha Underground when that was on?
1: I watched the first two seasons, but I, I missed three and four because I, I never had El Rey, so I kind of watched them wherever I could find them. But I just recently discovered that the entire series is on Tubi. So I've actually been been rewatching.
0: Oh, it's all on there now. Oh, that's cool. Because I remember, you know, yeah. it was still finished on the last couple or season or two, and it was on um, Netflix for the first couple seasons. So that was kind of cool. right. That's
1: where I saw it. Yeah,
0: I was hoping it was going to be all on there, but they probably, you know, Netflix started removing a bunch of stuff. So. But, yeah, yeah, I really I enjoyed that. Whatever we, deal they
1: had with El Rey expired or something. So. Yeah,
0: and we see so many of those wrestlers on the NDC now or with, you know, AEW or even WWF now. It's amazing, you mm-hmm. know, how a couple years goes by, how many wrestlers kind of change and go to various places, which we've seen even in the indie shows that we go to around here.
1: Yeah, it was funny. I was just watching it, I think, the day before yesterday and just watching, you know, Prince Puma, who is now Ricochet, <laughs> and just being like, what did WWE fail so badly with this guy.
0: I know. Like they built him up. It seems like ever since Brock Lesnar got to destroy him. What was it in Saudi Arabia or one of those shows? Yeah, um, so. It's never been the same for him. It's he's like
1: so talented.
0: A guy with that much talent, they can't use him for, for anything. I mean, I'm not here to spit on WWE or anything. It's not my cup of tea lately, but it just seems like some of those great talents they got, they're just kind of sitting there.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely not a good talker. I've I've seen him cutting promos and he you know trips over his words a lot and if that's the case then you know make him a Paul Heyman guy or yeah. something well, a mouthpiece because he's got the look and he's got the talent so he he should be getting pushed.
0: Well, let me ask you about that real quick. Managing man, or, or or a valet, or or what Paul Heyman calls himself, the advocate. You know, he's done so much for Roman Reigns in this the last what thirty days. So cool to see those guys guys together. I do kind of keep an eye on that. I think that's a great storyline. But. uh You know, managers in general back in the 70s, 80s, you know, 90s even, you saw managers everywhere. You know, Jimmy Hart's and the, you know, the Cornets and, you know, too many, I can't even remember now. Jimmy Hart, everybody. But, you know, and you don't see those, like Paul Heyman's there. You don't see it much on WWE. You see it, you're starting to see it more on uh, AEW where they use Jake the Snake and Arn and Tully and stuff like that. But uh, I think it's a lost, I don't know, just like a lost art in wrestling sometimes.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I like the way AEW does it, where it's you know they kind of use the legends to usher in the, the younger guys. Um, but I th- I think a, a manager, especially when someone like I said is not very good at promos, just team them up with someone who is, who doesn't need to go in there and take bumps and stuff, and and you know basically use two people to make one really talented team. And a manager can absolutely get a wrestler over. And I think if if a wrestler is lacking in one department, teaming him with the right manager is a great way to to kind of hide their flaws.
0: Yeah, because I remember a great moment in manager history. And it was with the macho man. And he didn't really even need a manager. He could, you know, talk for the most part and do what he needed. But it was when he first came to WWE and it was like he was the free agent. I don't know if you remember this or, you know, I don't even know how old you are, man. But, you know, I remember it. And all the managers came to the ring, Fred Blassie and Slick and Bobby Heenan and I think Jimmy Hart and maybe a couple other ones that I can't even remember, you know, who that one of them wanted the Macho Man and every tune, everyone tuned in, oh, who's Macho Man's manager going to be? And then he brought out Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> and it was like, you know, he thought it was going to be one of these big name managers, but then it was Miss Elizabeth out of nowhere. And, you know, history was made from there.
1: Yeah,
0: that's cool. <laughs> so dude, uh, just jumping away from wrestling a little bit here, man, you're also the co-host of the great Grave Plot Podcast. I almost that was almost a little tongue twisting for me. <laughs> dude, why don't you uh, tell us about this, what it's all about, how'd it start, and uh give us some a little history on it. Uh so in two
1: thousand ten. Right? I moved to New York and I lived in New York for about three years. And then I moved back to Seattle and me and my best friend, we were like, look, we need something to just kind of, you know, we, we both have these significant others. Now we need something to make sure that we're always making time to just kind of hang out. And eventually what we landed on was doing a podcast and we both really like horror movies. So we decided we're going to do this podcast about horror movies And so every two weeks, we just get together at either one of our house, and for two to three hours, we talk about, we do like a news section, where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, comics, just anything that has to do with horror, plus we do one story called Real World Horror, which is kind of a uh, truth is stranger than fiction kind of story, and then we review two movies every
0: episode. Damn, that's a, and how long are these uh, podcasts usually?
1: Uh, we, we try to keep them around two hours, but lately they've been about two and a half, two forty.
0: 2:40. Oh, wow. That's a long, long podcast, man. That sounds like you guys are just grooving really into the same thing. So, you know, you said, what is it about horror movies and horror TV and just that kind of stuff that have you been into that since you were a little kid?
1: No, not really. My, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of really scary stuff when I was a kid, um, and it was never something I really like wanted to. It wasn't like I really wanted to, and just my parents wouldn't let me. Uh, then, when I got, I would say in high school, I started hanging out with some people who were into horror movies, and so I, you know, they would say, "Oh, you got to watch this one. You got to watch this one." And so finally, I just caved in and started watching it. And it, for whatever reason, it just spoke to me. I was just enthralled by it. <laughs>
0: So, uh, what are your, some of your, uh, you know, favorite movies or shows that really like you could just keep putting on and just keep watching and watching?
1: Uh, well, my number one is always Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> I, I love the the mixture of horror and comedy in that, and I love that the the comedy doesn't come at the expense of horror because I feel like a lot of horror comedies it's just like making fun of, especially zombie comedies, it's making fun of the zombies or something. <laughs> but Shaun of the Dead has still that very real horror. Um, the Exorcist, I can watch over and over uh the shining a lot of like the you know the newer classics not necessarily the universal monsters nothing against those but the the movies from like the 50s and stuff just don't ring as much with me
0: Mm -hmm. um i kind of grew up seeing it on tv and my wife really likes those kind of old movies the ones you were just talking about but you know she um like those old uh, Draculas, the old uh, Wolfmans, the Frankenstein's, mm-hmm. and when I do watch those, and when we watch them, it, it just seems like they're a little just more eerie because it's so dark, and you know some of the acting is they always just have that strange looks on their face. So I don't know. I kind of I kind of enjoy those things too. I enjoy some of the newer stuff. Like, what are your thoughts? Say, like on a Nightmare on Elm Street type series.
1: Uh, well, I'm I'm a big fan of the Friday the Thirteenth series. Um Nightmare on Elm Street. I really liked the first. Well, the first one and the third one specifically. Uh, I thought New Nightmare was really well done. I thought that was kind of uh, Wes Craven preparing to make Scream because if, if you watch New Nightmare, it's really kind of the same story as Scream. <laughs> um, but and then I, I like the Scream movies. I, th- I think Wes Craven is, was R.I.P. an incredible filmmaker. Um, and then you know, like newer stuff, I really liked Hereditary. Uh, I know Max will kill me for this, but I really liked Midsummer. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I, I like I like ones that are like a you know a real kind of sense of dread, and not just like hack and slash. Not that I don't like slasher movies, but I, I like the ones that are really kind of make you think, you know, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. that's what I was going to probably ask you next. You know, when I was a kid, you know, there was the Friday 13th growing up nightmare on Elm street. I saw the first nightmare on Elm street in the theater with my uncle, you know, and I was like freaking scared to death. I don't even know what year it was, you know, but seeing that back then in the theater, it was just like, man, I probably didn't sleep for a couple of nights.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Freddie really messed with you cause he attacked you in your sleep so it was like how do you fall asleep knowing that that's a possibility
0: (laughs) but then i was gonna say you know compare those kind of movies or the the one horror thinking ones that you're talking about to like a movie like or a series i should say now like saw where it's kind of more to me more blood and guts you land in the pit of the, the the needles you have to saw your arm off to get away or whatever it might be well what's your thoughts on those type of things
1: yeah, the I, I hate the term, but the you know, torture porn movies, um, <laughs> I, I don't really find any enjoyment in those. I think it's just, you know, let's do the most twisted and sick things we can possibly think of, and then we don't have to actually write a story. The, as far as the Saw movies, I thought the first Saw was amazing. I thought it was one of the best horror movies I had seen in a really long time, and then I thought all of the sequels were just garbage
0: yeah I remember kind of seeing the first couple, and I was like, yeah, it was all right, but then after a while, it's just kinda of the same thing, especially as you get older, you don't get in, as impressed with that kind of stuff much maybe anymore so uh, how many episodes uh into this uh podcast series are you?
1: uh, we just put out episode
0: one hundred and sixty five nice, nice, nice and uh what are you thinking about? you think this is just gonna go until it kind of like you guys you know decide one day it's done or do you, you know do you guys got sponsors? you know how's it all work
1: no we we've talked to sponsors, but we've also just decided that we would rather not let anybody else really dictate what we say or do. So we, we do have a Patreon. Um, so we have, you know, money that comes in from fans. Uh, we also do a film festival every year.
0: <laughs> you just read my uh, mind. That was like, don't next you guys year, do a film festival? But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah.
1: Next, next year will be our third film festival. Probably going to have to do it virtually this year because of, uh, the coronavirus. but But, right. um, yeah, we've we've done two film festivals now. They're they're really, really cool. They're short film festivals. Um, you know, like 20 to 30 short films from all over the world. And it's it's a ton of fun.
0: So what is the you know, is it is the best part for you just be able to talk to your buddy each and every week or every couple of weeks get together, you know, or you know, do you, what you get guys great comments like we really love your show, you know. What what do you love about doing it, you know?
1: We actually we don't get a lot of feedback we do we do get some usually from like the same people over and over but i mean yeah it really is just you know a chance for for me and my bud to get together and just bs a couple times a month and you know kind of because even when we're watching horror movies that we're not watching for the the podcast we'll sit there and we'll text back and forth and, how oh, have you seen this and what did you think of this part so then it's it's cool to be able to to do that in person, you know, and actually have a conversation as opposed to just texting back and forth.
0: <laughs> well, last thing about that, man. Do you have a single like uh, favorite horror character of all time?
1: Ooh. See if my co-host would say Jason. I know, I know that because <laughs> he's obsessed.
0: Um, I mean, it's kind of like asking your favorite wrestler these days, right? Well, you know, is it now or is it that, you know?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, I would probably say Sam from Trick or Treat.
0: <laughs> I'm not familiar with it. Oh, it's, it's an anthology
1: and it like takes place on Halloween and there's these rules to Halloween. And if you break these rules, then Sam shows up and he murders you.
0: Oh, well, and you said it's called just Sam? It's called Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Excuse me, because I'm going to write this down. Trick or Treat. Because it's from 2008. My wife and I are huge um, Halloween fans, and also we were married on Halloween. So, oh, cool. so This might be something she's into. So Trick or Treat. Uh, just Amazon, Netflix. Do you know it all?
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: Okay, I can find it. I'll just. I'm sure it. you
1: can rent it somewhere. I'll use the old
0: Google, know you know, and figure it out. Yeah. That's how the kids do these days. But uh dude, uh what else was going to ask you about? Oh yeah, I got it up right in front of me here, man. Another little project it looks like. She, you're a busy dude, man. You got all kinds of stuff going on. I am. Cascadia Sports Network, man. Uh tell us about this. Looks like it's uh, all about uh Seattle and uh local teams.
1: Yeah, so I used to write for a site called Sonics Rising, dedicated to bringing the Seattle SuperSonics back. Yeah. Uh I started right around the Sacramento Kings. And so then when that didn't happen, we were like, well, what do we do now? And, you know, as as it became more apparent that the team wasn't coming back anytime soon, that site kind of got shuttered. So me and a couple other people from that site started Cascadia Sports Network. And, yeah, we cover all sports from Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver, B.C. Gotcha.
0: Let me, before you say anything else on it, let me ask you about the Sonics, man. I grew up a huge Sonic fan, man. I remember the day in 79 when they won, you know, watching it at my grandparents' house and then huge fan through the 90s or through the 80s, everything, the 90s. And when they left, man, I, I gave up on basketball. Uh, were you a big, uh, you know, Super Sonic fan uh, your whole life?
1: Oh, yeah, big time. That uh, was like the the thing that me and my dad could always do together was oh, watch Sonic's game and my uh Neighbor across the street had season tickets, and he knew that my dad was originally from Oregon. So whenever the Blazers oh, well. came to town, he would give us his tickets, and so we always made sure to go at least go to the Blazers games every year.
0: Well, that'd have been fun seeing he was from Oregon, since you know Gary was also an Oregon uh, State. Uh, uh, oh goddamn! What there's mascot uh, Beaver, Beavers. you know, and then yeah. going against Portland—that must have been pretty cool.
1: But then I see my dad was a duck, so he
0: oh, naturally he hated probably, the Beavers. He probably didn't like Gary Payton too much then, except for maybe he was a Sonic though. Right. <laughs> or no, he wasn't a Sonic fan. Never mind. He was more of the Portland guy, right?
1: Yeah, I mean he he liked both, but yeah when it when they faced each <laughs> other, he
0: was rooting for Portland. Oh man, no, that must have been a lot of fun for. Uh, you and your dad, I remember going a couple of times as a kid over in the old, it was the Seattle center Coliseum then, you know, and mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts was, you know, watching them come out for warmups. Cause they'd play some song that I always remember kind of over the, you know, the, the speakers and they'd come out and they'd be doing the layups to the song. And I, man, it was just like watching theater almost back then. Yeah. Cause as a kid, it was just like freaking larger than life, man. Who are a couple of your, uh, fave Sonics? I was always a big Sean Kemp fan. Oh man, yeah, Rain Man. See, I and loved then, him. Uh, you know,
1: Gary Payton, of course. Go
0: ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I just died. Gary Payton was like my favorite guy. Him and Sean, all those years. But I always remember some of the side guys. I always had like uh, Eddie Johnson or you know Ricky mm-hmm. Pierce or even uh, Frank Brickowski and you know some of those guys they brought in to help. Man, I thought that. Team that they took to the finals against the Bulls that year, man. If they had kept that together another year, I think we'd have we'd have won it the next year.
1: Yeah. I really liked Hersey Hawkins, too. Oh, yeah. And then Brikowski, watching him and Dennis Rodman go at it in the finals was oh. just
0: so entertaining. That was great stuff, man. Like the and two Steve Scheffler,
1: of course, the, the
0: human victory cigar. Yeah. Oh, you have to love the chef, man. Especially if Every you're watching run in...
1: by like 25, it's like, all right, chef.
0: Yeah. And the crowd would go crazy, and you couldn't wait for him to throw him the ball, right? So he could score.
1: Oh, he worked so hard.
0: What's funny is he looked like he actually had a lot of skills, but he never really got too much time.
1: He was really good in, at Purdue. Right,
0: Purdue. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry, man. I digressed there a little bit. But anyway, back to Cascadia Sports Network, man. So you're covering all the Seattle and Portland and Northwest stuff, man. Uh, so tell us about it. How much work that goes into this? How many people you got working on this with you?
1: Um, we've got probably... I want to say like 15 people now. Um, and a couple of them cover multiple things. We've got uh, people getting ready for the Kraken, of mm. course. Um, and we, we just got a new Vancouver Whitecaps writer. So he's working on that. We've got writers on uh, Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders. Uh, we do some college writing. We've got a couple of guys who are actually currently at U of O. So they write about the Ducks. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's, it's chugging along. We've, you know, there's, there's still a lot of stuff we don't cover. We cover Seattle U, but we don't cover a lot of UW, strangely. Um, but we do have a guy who's going to start writing about Gonzaga. Uh, we don't have a a Canucks writer at the moment. So if you want to write about the Canucks, get in contact with us.
0: (laughs) Dude, it sounds like a a great little venture. A lot of people involved and just kind of a really fun kind of a thing to do. Um, do you see this kind of growing? Is it more just a hobby type of thing?
1: Uh, I mean, it's it's mostly just a hobby. We've had um, we actually had one guy who just kind of branched off his Seattle Storm coverage into his own site, and he's starting to make money off it. So you know, we we have no problem being kind of a springboard for bigger things if it ends up going that way. So, um, but I mean, obviously, if you know it does get bigger and it starts starts making a lot of money, we're obviously not going to complain about that.
0: <laughs> and uh you know how do you follow this i see it's over here on twitter and it looks like there's a website too
1: yeah cascadia com.
0: got it got it got it start uh, checking that out for our daily sports uh, breakdowns right yeah <laughs> dude uh, another thing you had going on for a while see again busy busy man here man your wife must be patient but um <laughs> you know you had the uh want to watch wrestling podcast you know me and you kind of both put our podcasts on hold for a while with you know, pandemic and everything else that's going on crazy in this 2020, you know, but, uh, any, um, first of all, tell us about that podcast a little bit. Uh, what was it about, uh, and, uh, how did you get it started?
1: So my original idea w- for it was I was going to have wrestlers come on, pick a match, and then we would just watch the match. And then I had another idea where I was like, what if I do the same thing, but with Lynn, my girlfriend, because she doesn't watch wrestling at all. And so I, I thought it would be kind of fun to you know, explain to her what's going on and everything. And then I asked somebody, I was like, well, which one should I do? And they were like, do both. So that's what it became, was me and her. And then we would get a wrestler or a tag team or someone to come on. And they would pick a match. And we would just watch the match and just kind of talk our way through it. And a lot of it is explaining to her what's going on. But it was a lot of fun.
0: And then, you, you know, we put it on uh, hold there for a while. Any plans uh, in the immediate future of uh, bringing it back? Uh, the wife give that the go-ahead or, you know? <laughs>
1: um, nothing set in stone either way. I, I would like to tell you that it will come back, uh, but I, I don't know for sure. There, I did have a few people who had shown interest in coming on, so um, we'll see.
0: Well, I'm not a wrestler, but if you ever want to just watch a match, man, I'd love to sit down with you and do it. So, you you got a guest if you need one. I'm not as impressive as, you know, as maybe some of the wrestlers out there, but, you know, I like to have a good time. Right on. <laughs> oh, man, who were some of the folks that you actually uh, talked to on there, some of the wrestlers that you got to sit down with and watch some matches? Um. Well, we had Max, the owner of Without a Cause. Hey, he's not a wrestler. He's a, just a <laughs> wannabe No, I'm sorry. I'm just messing with Max.
1: (laughs) Uh, We had Four Minutes of Heat. Um, We had State of Emergency. We had Chris Ross, Dave Turner.
0: Um,
1: I know I had talked to Jaden, but I don't think he ever actually came on. Yeah, that's all that's coming to me right at the moment. Anyway, Someone's going to get mad at me.
0: If, if we want to check it out, if we want to hear these podcasts, where are they still out there for us to listen to right now?
1: Yeah, they're at uh, anchor.fm slash want to watch wrestling.
0: <laughs> and another thing you got started uh, recently, it looks like you're the co-founder according to your website here, man. And uh, I recently got some gear off of there. Uh, Brain Buster T, man. T, excuse me. And, uh, man, great, great stuff. I got myself a Without a Cause hat. I got the uh, Bigfoot Without a cost shirt, love it. Wearing that hat is, you know, office on cancels. You know, sweaty these days, but you know, anyway. But <laughs> how, how, tell us about that, man. Great product. Congratulations, and uh, tell us all about it.
1: Um. So, well, I've been interested in merchandising for a long time. Uh, I used to play in bands back when I was in high school. Oh shit! And so I was always interested in you know making shirts for for the bands and stuff. And at the time, I never did because back then it was much harder to do, but. Once I started getting involved in wrestling, you know, the wrestlers all have merchandise and it was just something that was just kind of in the back of my head. But, you know, you've already got the, the major leaders in that field. So I didn't really want to dip my toes in and then have it not go anywhere. So I just kind of, you know, started asking around and I, I saw some people kind of voicing their frustrations with some of the other companies mm-hmm. and that was kind of my push. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so, yeah, I reached out to a couple people. Um, one of the guys I run Cascadia SN with, Kevin Nesgoda, as well as uh, Keenan Bailey, who is actually a part of the Without a Cause family. Uh-huh. Um, and we all sat down and we, we built up this website and we started building a roster of, of wrestlers. And we launched on July 1st of this year. And we, we've done better than I think we expected
0: so far. Uh-huh. I mean, how does something like that work? You guys sit down. All right we're going to do this t-shirt company. Obviously you probably got to have some kind of dough between you. That's, you know, none of my business, but, um, you know, how does it start? How do you find the t-shirts and, you know, get to print them and all that kind of stuff. How does this all come together for you?
1: So we use a third party printer. So we, we get the designs, we put them up on the website and everything. And then we, once someone orders one, we send it off to the third-party printer. They charge their fee, and then whatever the profit is, we take a small percentage, and the rest goes completely to the wrestler.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So the more business up that starts coming above or coming up for you guys, the better for you guys, better for the third party, and obviously good for the wrestler.
1: Yeah, and we and we have really good margins on a lot of stuff. You know, it's and we, as far as I know, I don't want to step on any toes but as far as i know we're the only company that lets the clients pick the price so if somebody like we have a a jody the wrestler t-shirt on our site for 250 dollars because that's what he wanted to sell it at i don't know why but (laughs) yeah if he sells one the margins are going to be amazing so um yeah so you the amount of money that they can make is almost entirely up to them. Obviously, you know, if you sell a shirt for $250, you can't expect to sell a lot of them, but.
0: What, uh, what would it take for you guys to actually take over the printing yourselves? Um, like you get your T, you get the t-shirts, you're printing them. You guys got your own little warehouse, your own shop. Have you thought about that anyway, I guess.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you know, then you're talking about renting out a space, um, and, you know, actually buying a screen printing machine and
0: knowing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You might actually have to guys that took those kind of classes, I guess, huh?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that we would like to do in a perfect world. But as, as of now, we don't have the overhead to, to pull something like
0: right. that. Right. But is that maybe some of the one of the goals maybe you got... Like now, for down the road a little ways, maybe someday we can get big enough, get enough people to be doing this. We can just run this all ourselves. We'll quit our day jobs, you know, and all over just print print shirts all day.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: How would your wife feel about just making t shirts all day? Is she cool with that?
1: Hey, if I'm bringing in the money, she don't (laughs) care.
0: Exactly, man. oh man that's funny man but like i said i got a couple things from there now i really enjoyed it the quality of the hat the quality of the shirt was uh top notch so i hope you guys are getting good um feedback on uh the products themselves thank you excellent 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 but uh you know
1: when are we going to start selling some uh some bigfoot podcast gear on there
0: well we got to get just maybe a little bit more followers before we start doing that i t- <laughs> the first year of my podcast i don't know how many podcasts in i'm like you know I got this cool design from, you know, Uncle Beeks, you know him, sure, um, yeah. made me the cool design with the big foot in the middle. And I, I got a bunch of shirts and I got them pretty decently, you know, so I could sell them fairly cheap or whatever. And I put them on my website. I, you know, only like two people bought one. And so I was stuck with a lot of shirts. And so <laughs> then after a while, you know, it didn't cost me an arm and a leg, but enough where I shouldn't be just be giving away shirts. Right. But I did give away the first like, you know, 10, 12 shirts and, uh, as, you know, just guests of people that listen to the podcast or what that, who were on the podcast, excuse me. So it's, t-shirts didn't work out me for the first time, but, uh, we'll see. All right. <laughs> but anyway, man, uh, so let's talk a little wrestling. Let's talk growing up when you're just a little tailor. So where were you born and raised? My friend, uh, Enumclaw, Washington. You were born up in the claw? I was. Oh man. Me and my buddies would go up through there every year to go up to Greenwater. I'm sure you probably knew where that is if you're that close sure. to it. And yeah. head up in there and do a little uh well, we called it camping, but it was more just like comfort drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Away from uh you know, wives and the work for the weekend type of thing back in the day, twenty years ago or whatever it was. But uh man, glowing up in the claw, you you go to school, high school there, all that kind of stuff? Yep. Man. So uh what kind of? You mentioned it earlier, actually. You said you were in uh, in bands at some point. Did that happen back in school? Did were you into music when you were in like you know, elementary and middle and high school and all that stuff?
1: Uh It was later in high school, and then kind of the years after, I kind of started getting really into punk rock.
0: Really? How'd that how did that all come I, about, I, man? I was in
1: a couple different bands, yeah.
0: So uh, you got into punk rock. W- when did you learn how to play? Were you playing, uh, you know, you said you're in the band. You guitar, you the singer, you know, you drumming. What are you doing?
1: Uh, I was a singer in a couple bands, and then I played bass in one.
0: Nice, man. Uh, how long uh, were you playing bass? Um. I guess a better question would be, when did you start playing bass?
1: Well, I always kind of, you know, I, I didn't play regularly until I kind of started looking to do that in bands rather than singing. Um, the, the band I was in, I wanted to say we, we ran for about two years, I think, The in the one band that I played bass in.
0: In the high school era?
1: Uh, that was after. That was probably in my mid-twenties.
0: In, uh, how... And uh, why did you get into singing? I mean, you were, we're a punk rock singer, so that's probably a little different than someone coming out and singing a little, you know, choir type stuff.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> well, the first band I was in, we kind of, we were kind of, we would have been more metal if we were better, I'll say. <laughs> we were kind of more punk because we weren't that good at playing metal. So it was an interesting kind of mashup. Uh, and I was in that band with the co-host of the grave plot, uh, as well as my cousin and some other friends. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mainly sung because I didn't know how to do anything else.
0: <laughs> Is there, uh, you know, somewhere out there that the folks could go today to hear uh, Taylor and his, uh, punk rock band, uh, out there, social media somewhere, YouTube.
1: Uh, thankfully no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, how do you rate your singing then as a punk rock singer?
1: Um, not great. It, I mean, and there's, there's definitely worse out there, but I, I, you know, I never took lessons or anything. So I just kind of did what felt right and then worked around that. And I was like, okay, I need to do something different. This doesn't sound good. So I'm going to either, you know, go higher or go lower or something like that. But it was all just kind of uh
0: trial and error. Did you get yourself one of those, you know, pedals to plug into your mic to make your voice sound a little different
1: like a wah-wah or something I guess you know
0: <laughs> I read a uh uh Alice in Chains thing one time where he sang with one of those Lane No, I, that know, is.
1: I never used anything like that
0: oh okay I you know I don't know how that shit works I was never in a band man <laughs> but I, was, man. I
1: think there's videos of one of the bands they played bass for on youtube somewhere oh i see we,
0: we can see you play the bass but we can't hear the uh, the vocal i see you're hiding that yeah right is it is it do you have somewhere 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 around your house is there an old cassette tape no god damn we can't get it <laughs> we can't get it i'm gonna have to talk to max i don't know why <laughs> yeah he doesn't he doesn't have anything <laughs> i'm gonna have to talk to max i'm gonna have to get on and he's gonna fire you from being a commissioner ring announcer unless you can ex- show us a tape of you singing punk rock or maybe, maybe you should just do it right now. Uh, no. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you've been in bands like that stuff. So back in, uh, say high school and junior high, were you into kind of music then like listening to it? Were you into different things like that? Yeah,
1: I was, I was always really into listening to music and, it, um, you know, even in like elementary school, I was listening to, to punk. I was, I was, really into green day when they first kind of hit it big. Uh, and then I also really liked classic rock cause that's what my dad listened to. Nice. So I was really into journey and foreigner and those kind of bands. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the, my, my rebellious phase was green day and the offspring and, um, a lot of that kind of SoCal punk, mm-hmm. no effects.
0: So you were, uh, more, more into the SoCal than maybe, uh, the, the 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 they sold they called them the grunge bands but the seattle bands you know like nirvana pearl jam soundgarden alice screaming trees all those kind of bands were you ever in any of them
1: i i never really got into grunge that much i gotcha. i did like pearl jam i i never really was a very big fan of nirvana and i think part of it might have just been because people go oh you're from seattle you must love nirvana exactly <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't that I disliked them, it wasn't like, you know, I would change the channel when they came on or anything, but it just never never really sunk in with me.
0: Yeah, that was my kind of genre, because like, you know, right out of, kind of, a couple years out of high school, I moved up into Capitol Hill with my buddy Jeff, you know, and so we'd go down, check out the bands. I never got to see those bands in the clubs, because they were just just past that, right? They were onto the arenas and stuff, so I got to see them in the bigger places, but saw another group of bands in smaller places like a uh, grunt truck and a band called mommy and things like that uh, it was really a good time going to watch bands back then did you get to go see those kind of concerts ever like the offspring and some of those bands you were talking about
1: uh only at warp tour uh i never got to see them in any of the small clubs and stuff um i mean then when i got older i went and saw like alkaline trio at the show box um, I at, and i and uh el corazon which was formerly Graceland, which was formerly the Off Ramp. Yeah. Actually, I used to work at a pawn shop, and I had a guy come in with a guitar, and he was like, "I bought this guitar the day after I saw Mookie Blaylock play at the Off Ramp." The <laughs> very old fence. Because <laughs> Mookie Blaylock, of course,
0: of turned course. into Pearl Jam. Yes, sir. Yeah, Pearl Jam. Just to let you know, they're my pretty much my favorite band of all time. Oh, yeah. You know, I just love them. Who they are, what they do, the music. You know, kind of what they stand for. Me and my friends were like, you know, they're just like family guys that get to go on tour, you know, a few months a year now, you know? like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, so back in high school, you are into music and stuff. Into any athletics, you know, football, wrestling, baseball, any of that kind of stuff? You, you're kind of a taller, bigger guy, right?
1: Yeah, I, I played basketball my uh, freshman and sophomore years, and then I ran track mm. my uh, senior year. I, I did long jump and triple jump.
0: And, uh, so how did all that work out for you ever thought about taking it to the next level? How'd the basketball go for you? Cause you, like you said, you're a taller guy, but there's a lot of taller guys that play basketball. I'm only a five foot, six and a half guy.
1: Yeah. Well, I was, you know, I want to say I was like six feet my sophomore year and I had always played as a big, you know, with my back to the basket and shooting little jump hooks and stuff. And then the basketball team was like, we want you to play guard. I'm like I don't know how to play guard. I can't
0: dribble worth crap. Like <laughs> that's going to be rough unless you're Dale Ellis or something.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, so that never really turned into anything. And you know, I played recreationally for years until I got old. But um, yeah, I was always I was always a big basketball fan and and loved to play in the backyard and stuff.
0: Oh man. Me too back, you know, in the day playing with my uncle, my buddies, you know, playing all the time and then watching the Sonics, watching even though they weren't good when I was a kid, the Washington Huskies basketball team, you know, and just that was just a good time. But uh man, so uh, you know, we talked about what you kind of did uh, in school, high school. Uh, when did um the first first memories of pro wrestling kind of when did it happen?
1: So my my parents told me recently that I used to watch wrestling with my grandpa. Ah. That's not what I remember. My, my first memory is sitting, I want to say I was at my aunt's house and it was a Saturday morning and I was just flipping through the channels and I came across, uh, I think it was called WCW Worldwide. <laughs> yep. And the first thing I saw was Rey Mysterio. And you know, since I was into horror and stuff, I, w- I was always into Halloween. Mm. And I remember he was wearing a orange and black mask and outfit. And so I was immediately just kind of drawn in. And so I was like, all right, whatever. There's nothing else on. I'll just, I'll watch this. And I watched that match. And then I watched the next match and the next match and I ended up watching the whole show. <laughs> and naturally they were like, you know, make sure you tune in Monday night for nitro. Oh, so shit. I, was, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah, sure. Why not? And then it just kind of snowballed. The next thing I knew I was hooked.
0: And, you know, like you said, you know, we're really into the, the mask and Ray and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, watching that program, was there other stuff that was just grabbing you? Was it the athleticism? Was it the theatrics of it? Uh, was it just the crazy matches? And I don't even know who would be announcing then. Uh, was it Tony Schiavone or one of the off kind of guys, you know, because Schiavone probably did Nitro. I don't know.
1: I think it was Mike Tanay oh, and yeah. Bobby
0: Heenan. Oh, so you still got Bobby Heenan, though.
1: Yeah, <laughs> See and that? then of course, Mean Gene was doing the, the backstage stuff. Oh, that's a lot of fun. I grew. Yeah, up. it was mostly the athletics because you know, obviously, Ray Mysterio was a, a, was incredible then. No, oh. um, and it, it, he's he's still so good now. He's obviously you know slowed down a lot, but um, yeah, there was just the the um, athleticism, and then a lot of the the backstage promos kind of hooked me because I would you know. I was still a mark then, so I was. Like, oh yeah, I can't believe what this guy is saying. I want to. I want to watch this guy fight.
0: When I first started, the promos were almost better than the fights for me. Sometimes, like the fights were amazing because you know when you first when I first started watching, I didn't realize obviously the first little bit that it's you know they're it's I don't want to say fake because you know someone will <laughs> jump out here and punch me in the face, but uh, you know a scripted scripted match is what I should probably say. But, uh, you know, so it was insane seeing the matches. Like, how do they do that to each other, man? They're not, they're, that guy didn't even bleed. He got punched right in the nose. But right. then, you know, especially watching WCW or NWA back in the day, the the studio shows with Gordon Solie and later Tony, you know, when they come out, studio audience, they're cutting those promos just live right there, no cue cards. It, it was mesmerizing almost, especially like when Ric Flair would come out, you know, or, you know, Dusty, like. I don't even know what the half the time Dusty was even talking about it, but I was just like, <laughs> so into it, you know, cause he was just like, he, I don't know. He just like took your whole attention when he came on there. Right. What was it like for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the Steiner brothers. Oh yeah. So I don't know why, but I just remember the Steiner brothers cutting promos and just me just being so enthralled by what they were saying. And, you know, sc- Scott Steiner, for all his faults, he's still incredible promo, even if you don't know what the hell he's talking about. Mm-hmm. The, the guy knows how to, you know, he's a presence in front of the camera and so when, when he talks you listen and you just believe everything he says. And so when he says, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kick this guy's ass, you're like, yeah, I want to see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was believable. I mean, it's, you still get some of that, maybe not quite as much, but when you're younger, right? Like, seeing those guys like cut those promos you're like oh my god you know mom or you know bro we gotta like watch this monday this guy's gonna yeah. get his ass kicked he's gonna destroy him you he's, know and then you tune in other. monday and it starts and then oh wait they continue the story to thursday night or you know next monday You know, right. <laughs> and that's what was great it would suck you in and you'd love it and then you had to buy the pay-per-view had to buy the pay-per-view man I remember. you had to see
1: that blow-off match
0: yep I remember getting a bunch of those pay-per-views when it was just me and my uh, buddy were roommates and then the bill would come like, God damn, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It was really worth it. Uh, I remember watching the pay-per-view, the bash at the beach when Hogan turned might be oh, the most man. memorable pay-per-view I ever remember of all the pay-per-views, you know, not that the match was that great, but the storyline of it, you know, who's going to be the third man and then it turned out to be Hogan and what went from there. It was just amazing. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. So, uh, did you have many, uh, you know, you said you found it or your, your family said you watched with your grandpa. Um, did you have any friends in the area that you hung out with from school that were like also into this or you got to show them or they, you know, were like, ah, I ain't watching that crap.
1: Uh, later in, in high school, I hung out with a few guys. We, uh, I'm, I'll admit I did some, some backyarding <laughs> with a handful of guys, so yeah, we, you know, we would always talk about the past shows and stuff when we were doing our trampoline wrestling.
0: Well, just tell us about that real quick. How'd that go? You and your buddies got together. Did you put together the card? Was there any people coming to watch these matches?
1: Uh, so it was these two guys that ran the whole, you know, quote-unquote promotion. And they would just say, you know, hey, we're going to do it this date we want you to fight this guy. And it was, you know, it, it was very similar to how a professional promotion works just on a much lower scale. <laughs> um, one of those guys actually went on and did, did some real wrestling. Uh, he worked for a, a few promotions in the area. So wasn't all worthless, but yeah, people did come and watch. Um, you know, we would set up chairs in my buddy's backyard and, A lot of our friends from school would come and watch. Nice. It's mostly just, you know, jumping out of trees through cardboard boxes and stuff.
0: (laughs) Was there an actual ring? No, there was a trampoline. Oh, a trampoline. Right, 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 right. Well, that's, you know, that works kind of the same. You can do some stuff off of that. Yeah. Was there a championship title? Uh,
1: Yeah. One of my buddies uh, actually bought a ECW replica title
0: belt, and we used that. (laughs) Did you cover the ECW part with, like, a little tape or something and put your own promotion on there? No. <laughs> just went with it like fuck. Just it. went with it. Screw it. This is it. This is the title, man. That's all that matters, title, bro.
1: Yeah, nobody looks that close.
0: <laughs> so, man, uh, you know, you mentioned Rey Mysterio, but, uh, you know, growing up, you know, watching Nitro, WCW, who were some of your, uh, like, favorite guys that you couldn't wait to see each and every week?
1: Uh, or I was girl. always a big fan of the Luchadors. So uh, there was obviously Rey Mysterio, uh, Juventud Guerrera, and then I really liked Billy Kidman. Yeah. Um, I, I hated Chris Jericho just because he was always feuding with Rey. Um, same with Eddie Guerrero. And I like I realized later that all right. of those guys, because I hated them so much, Like the reason I hated them was because they were so good.
0: They were doing their job. Exactly, and they were
1: doing it so well. Um, Dean Malenko, uh,
0: DDP, Raven, Sting. Mm -hmm. See, uh, not to interrupt, but Dean Malenko, there's an underrated guy, man. That guy could go out there and, you know, like everyone says, he could go out there and wrestle like a broom or a mop or something and make it look good. That guy was incredible. I don't know how many probably guys he wrestled and put them over because he was so good, but he wasn't really great on the mic.
1: Yeah, he wasn't exciting to watch, but he, yeah, he could just do whatever he wanted in that ring.
0: He would have been great back in the 80s. I do know, his size maybe would have got him, but he was more of a, you know, an old school type of wrestler, right? Yeah. Hmm. He's the man of a thousand holds. He is the man of a thousand holds. Well, didn't Chris Jericho beat him with that list?
1: He was the man of a thousand and four holds,
0: yeah. <laughs> Another great moment in wrestling history, man. But, bar. Uh, <laughs> What about live shows back in the day, man? Did you ever go hit up any uh, WWE pay-per-view shows, house shows, any other wrestling shows back in the day when you were a kid?
1: Uh, I did go to WCW Fall Brawl at the Tacoma Dome. Oh, man. What was Uh, uh, going on there? Uh, That was when DDP won his first uh, WCW championship.
0: Was that the four-way or something like that?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was him, Hogan, Sting and savage i think
0: Uh, i think flair was in there maybe it was flair instead of savage (laughs) i remember that huge rick flair fan sorry
1: yeah i was uh like i was a big fan of ddp but i wanted sting to win so i was like disappointed at the end but then my mom was like but you like ddp i know but i wanted sting to win
0: it is sting come on everyone loves sting
1: well yeah he's the icon
0: Oh, man, he is he's the icon. I remember when he was the surfer guy taking on Ric Flair for 45 minutes at the Clash of Champions back in the day, man. Uh, Sting is just, he's done so much. I wish he could have got to the WWE just maybe a little sooner and had him do some cool stuff, but it was what it was. was. It was pretty fun. Uh, you know, maybe he could have won a match, but it is what it is.
1: Shame we never got that Undertaker match. But. Oh.
0: I mean, they could probably do it now with the way they did the kind of AJ Styles Undertaker match at um, at WrestleMania. I thought that was phenomenal, by the way. But That's you know, true. it just wouldn't be the same as seeing those two just stand there face to face in the ring with the the leftover smoke from the the you know the ring entrances coming out and stuff. You know. Yeah. Oh God. See, why you got to bring up now? I'm all depressed. <laughs> Can't finish the podcast. Turn it off. No, just kidding, dude. Uh, so we talked about your love for wrestling and stuff, man. Uh, so later on, you are now the ring announcer and commissioner, by the way, of ring announcer, or ring announcing, you are the ring announcer and commissioner of without a cause, man. Uh, how did that start? Had you ever done any type of ring announcing or introducing people in your life up till now, Taylor?
1: No, never. Um, so uh, it all started, again, when I first moved back from New York and Max was working for the company that I worked for and actually still work for. Dirty and Max. And I, I that one of the first things he ever said to me was, do you like pro wrestling? Like, I don't think he even said hello. I think my boss said, this is Max. And Max said, do you like pro wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so then all of a sudden we were just immediate friends and, you know, just hung out, watched wrestling. And then when, when he started without a cause, he said, Hey, I'm doing this thing. I have a job for you. Uh Oh yeah. Whatever you, whatever you need. Thinking he wanted me to, you know, like help set up the ring or, you know, be timekeeper or something. And he's like, I need you to be ring announcer and host. And I was like,
0: hell Yeah. (laughs) So that was your first response, right there. Hey, I want you to do this, bring an announcer and host, and you were like, "Hell yeah!" Instead of like the nerves wrenching suddenly.
1: No, I was just, I was just overjoyed at the the, the possibility. The nerves didn't come until later.
0: <laughs> okay, well, go we ahead. We actually
1: With- had the first show. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you were asked to be ring announcer, you know. So uh, what went from there? Did you do some research? Did you talk to any other ring announcers? You just like maybe watched, you know, ring announcers on TV? What would you do from there?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I never really paid attention to ring announcers before. But after that, I went back and I listened to, uh, you know, like Michael Buffer and uh, the Fink. The and just you know, watch some of the the current guys like Justin Roberts, and just kind of try to get a feel of what they do, and how it kind of amplifies you know the entrance and puts the wrestlers over. So yeah, I, I did do a lot of research. I didn't talk to any other ring announcers, but I did find myself paying a lot more attention to the entrances than I ever did before, <laughs> and just going on YouTube and you know just just looking up ring entrances and looking at different indie guys who I'd never heard of and seeing how they do it and just trying to find my own version of it.
0: So you got closer to the show, uh, as you get closer to the show, never done, never done this before. Does, you know, things start to pucker. Does the abdomen start to feel butterfly? You know, when did that kind of start happening?
1: Um, probably when I'm behind the curtain. Oh, shit. Because, you know, our first couple shows, Max would come out and address the crowd and then bring me out. And so as I'm standing there behind the curtain at our first show and listening to Max, I'm just in my head thinking of all the ways this can go wrong. (laughs) And, you know, I'll admit, our first couple shows, I was definitely very stiff and very just kind of like, I am a professional.
0: (laughs) Well, I think I've, you know, I've been to quite a few of the without a Cost show. I was at the first one and, you know, just to, you know, not to blow smoke up you man, but you do a great job. Maybe you start a little stiff, but now man, you're just like, you just come out there. You're smooth as silk. You do your thing. You do your little run around the ring. I mean, you, you probably don't even use cards anymore in your hand. Do you? Uh,
1: I, I, what I do now is I put it up on my phone and during the match before the next match, I'll, I'll, kind of memorize it on my phone nice. and then I'll just stick the phone in my pocket and get in there and do my thing.
0: <laughs> so tell, getting back to that first time, you come through the, the, the curtains, he's like, here's Taylor. And you get in the rink, man. Uh, what did you feel like that first time? You know, you got ai don't know, maybe 150 people staring at you, whatever it might've been that first show. I don't know, hopefully a little more than that, but, uh, what was going through your mind, your belly and, uh, how'd it go for you?
1: The main thing I was thinking was none of these people know who I am. Like Max gave me this big like grand entrance, and I'm like nobody knows who I am. <laughs> and so then I'm just like you know, don't don't forget anything. Don't don't mess up anybody's name. And then like like I said, the first couple shows I was so stiff. And I actually had Max and uh, Aubrey Edwards, who used to be a referee for without a cause.
0: Never heard of her. They told me. <laughs>
1: Sorry, go ahead. I don't know what she's doing these days. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they, they told me, you know, you, you need to loosen up and you need to show a little more character out there. And one day it just kind of dawned on me that I'm not there just to be the ring announcer. I'm there to be the host. I, I'm, you know, here to get the crowd hyped. I'm here to get everyone involved. And I'm not just here to say, here comes so-and-so. And that was, you know, that moment it clicked is when I kind of turned into the... The commissioner basically that that was you know i kind of branched out and started doing more things getting you know crowd interaction and stuff and yeah that was when max said hey we want to give you more
0: responsibility and we want to make you the commissioner oh man that's dope um you know before we get to the commissioner role you know back to that uh ring announcing was there ever a moment you you're about to announce something, you forget something, or you, you kind of had to wing it because you couldn't remember. Any like just weird moments along the way that you want to share with us?
1: Um, I did call Shotzi Blackheart uh, the ballsy Blackheart <laughs> instead of the ballsy badass. Uh oh. <laughs> so, um, and she noticed.
0: <laughs> and, and now she's on NXT.
1: Yeah, she's moved on. I'm sure she's forgotten about
0: it. It was all for that. You know, that announcement got her to the next level, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh. So, uh, Ring Announcing, uh, what are your thoughts on Ring Announcing? Do you just love it now? You know, when you come out now, are you cool, or do you still get nervous each and every time?
1: You know, I feel like once my music hits, I kind of get nervous up until the moment that I spring through the curtain and then it all just goes away. <laughs>
0: so you cool when you get in the ring, you're looking around at each and every one, you're recognizing faces now and, uh, you know, no problems for you up in there. No, man. Congratulations on that, man. Uh, cause I was supposed to do some ring announcing one time and I was like nervous two months before it even happened. It didn't ever happen because I quit before then, but <laughs> you know, we don't need to discuss that. But yeah, man, I, I was nervous long before that. So man, good for you, man. And, uh, do you see yourself trying to get anywhere else doing any ring announcing?
1: Um, I'm open to it. I, it's not something I've I've openly pursued, but uh, I will say that at least one other company approached me for doing a guest spot, but unfortunately, I was unable to. But if you know if the opportunity arises, I'm not exclusive, so I would be open to to working with someone else. Yeah.
0: Do you think it's proper that the ring announcer wears a suit every time?
1: i don't i I was told I have to, but i don't I don't think it's a necessity-
0: Oh, I see that damn Max told you you had to wear a suit yep, yeah. see see how Max is everybody demands makes the man wear a it's like eight hundred degrees in the v f w in August and he's got to wear a, a suit <laughs> it's so <hot> in there. <laughs> I'm just spexing it. We all love Max. I always mess with him, but man um. So without a cause, man, you've been there from the beginning until yep. now, you know, from the other, uh, what was it? The, uh, the other venue to the VFW hall, you know, so much has happened, uh, from what Max says and Dave says, it was supposed to just be one show, but now what are we a couple years into it man. what are your thoughts on uh, without a cause from the beginning where it's been and, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to see some great stuff coming up here in 2021.
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole reason that the, the company is called without a cause is because it was originally going to be just one show for no apparent reason. So it's going to be one show without a cause. And then it just kind of, like, I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know why it became a full-blown promotion, but uh, I'm glad it is. I'm glad that I've stuck around. Uh, and it's, it's gotten a lot bigger and a lot more prominent than I ever expected. I thought it was just going to be, you know, a lot of the local guys kind of – doing their thing, and it was just going to be, you know, the people from other local promotions kind of melting pot in. And then we started bringing in, you know, people like Shotzi Blackheart and B-Boy and uh, Tom Lawler. And and then, of course, Chris Bay came in and became champion. And I was like, this is a real, like, legit thing. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's got
0: it really went Sorry. legit they brought in a lot of great uh outside talent after those first so many shows you know you know Effie came in at one point hammerstone with a bunch mm-hmm. of grazing ma- a bunch of amazing matches uh and uh, you know so many others now
1: yeah um there there was one moment that it really kind of struck me and unfortunately it's a name that i don't want to talk about now but a certain former dick wrestler uh mm-hmm was, was teased on our social media, and I was just like, wait, this is happening?
0: <laughs> and that
1: that was the moment that I really kind of knew that Max is hes throwing his all into this. He's he's really pushing this to be a major player.
0: Well, dude, you guys got some great folks, you know, along with yourself. You know, you got Max and, and Dave and Chris, and you used to have, you know, that little referee that's on TV once a week on Wednesday nights helping you guys out too. You know, it, it, a lot of great brain power going on there, right? Yeah, for sure.
1: Oh man, uh, a lot, a lot of really dedicated and committed people.
0: Oh man, and, and it's you know, there's a lot of great uh, things going on in wrestling here in the Northwest, but uh, I don't know. There, there's a few going on, but for me, without a cause, is like pretty much my family right now. You know, you and Max and Dave. I'm a sponsor of the of the shows. Uh, I will be when they come back, and uh, I look always look forward getting in my uh, car with my wife on Sundays once a month, heading up to Everett, man. It's a, uh, so much fun, a great venue. There's some great stuff to do in the, uh, in the neighborhood, even before you go to the show.
1: Yeah. And the, the after parties are always really great too.
0: Oh yeah. And, uh, hopefully those guys get to come back soon too. You know, uh, Tony V's right. Yeah. You know, I think they shut down recently because of the, the, the extended COVID stuff and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, Wishing good thoughts for those guys, and hopefully they uh, are able to come back. <clears throat> Excuse for sure. me. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, uh, being a uh, part of Wax Along that you are and a huge fan, what are the couple top moments in Without a Cause history for you personally?
1: I mean, number one has to be Jeff Cobb. Making <laughs> oh, his, uh, yeah. His surprise appearance, because I've, I've never heard that building that loud before. And it was. It was, I love the the moment where there's like some people who know what's going on right before everyone knows what's going on, because it's like Cobb's music hits, and I think only a few people really knew whose music that was, so you just kind of buzz, and then once he pops out of that curtain, that place just exploded.
0: Yes, it did. I was over, um, not far from the table, off to the right, or yeah, off to the, on that side of the arena, or VFW Hall, uh, just off to the right of the table. And I heard the music, and I jumped up, and then saw him. And I was jumping up and down, swinging my arms. There were so many people jumping up and down. People were running off from the bar up close so they could see. It was an amazing night.
1: Yeah, that was really cool. And then when Darby made the save for Ethan Page, <laughs> oh, that yeah. was another one of those moments where like he was standing behind the curtain, and you could hear a couple people on one side go, that's Darby Allen."
0: Allen. Yep. I remember that.
1: And then w- once, he, once he hit the ring, everybody just exploded.
0: <laughs> what do you think about um, the way Miggs has grown um, being at Without a Cause, man? The guy, you know, is an incredible heel. He knows how to work the crowd. But not only that, he's had some great, amazing wrestling matches, you know, with, like you said, Ethan Page, um, also the, the the No DQ with uh, Pinfall, where they brought out the videotapes and things. But uh, mm-hmm. I really love Mags, man, Migs, man. Uh, what are your thoughts on him?
1: Um, I mean, he has been there since day one, and he has been just a thorn in my side since day one. <laughs> um, you know, the, probably my best whack moment was when I got to punch him in the face. So... Um, <laughs> But no, he, he, you know, breaking character. He is an, an incredible guy, he's a, and he, he loves this business. You know, he knows that he's not the best wrestler. He knows that he's not, you know, going to go out there and put on five-star matches every night. But he, he works his ass off, and he, he's a great character. And um, I, I think Max and Chris have done a great job of rewarding him by giving him matches with people like Ethan Page,
0: Oh, that was a phenomenal night. It was a great night. You know, we got the big kind of swerve in there and everything else. Man, uh, I'm telling you, man, without a cause, Max and the, and the powers that be there doing a phenomenal job. Uh, I think you really, uh, you guys have really put yourself on the map. Not to kiss up because I love you all you guys so much, but uh, I think you know people talk about it on the indie scene without a cause now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I see people on Twitter being like, oh, I'm just gonna watch this thing on IWTV without a cause, whatever that is. And then as they're watching it, they're like, well, yo, this is legit. Like here's Tony Depp and (laughs) here's, uh, you know, Chris Bay and all these other great people that I know. And they're wrestling at this Indian Everett, Washington, wherever that is.
0: One of the hottest matches ever on IWTV is Chris Bay and Hammerstone.
1: That match. Oh man. That was, that was a banger.
0: Yeah. I thought they're going to break the lights. So did everyone (laughs) else uh we we have been told that if those lights get broken we are all going to be shot i bet i wouldn't ma- i you know that I guy believe him. i 100 there's that guy that comes helps brings the flag out and tells you you're gonna do the national anthem i wouldn't f mm-hmm. with that guy for one second
1: yep that's the guy that told us
0: <laughs> oh man oh my god man we've been talking for an hour 16 minutes my friend it's been great but uh we probably want to start wrapping it up here tonight man so uh Dude, what do you got for any kind of final thoughts? What do you want the fans to know about, uh, Taylor Bartle without a cause brain busters, any of the stuff that, uh, you want to put over?
1: it's um, a big question. Yeah, really. Especially with all the stuff I got going on. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just, I try to just be myself in whatever I do. I'm, you know, my. Without a Cause persona is basically just me. I don't go out there and put on a character. So anything you, you see or hear from me is pretty much me being me. So if you, if you like horror movies, check out the Grave Plot Podcast at graveplotpodcast.com. If you like sports, check out cascadiasn.com. And of course, uh, wacprowrestling.com is Without a Cause's website, which I run, by the way. Um, and then BrainbusterTs.com. We are getting more wrestlers every day. We uh, just put out a new shirt for Vinny Massaro, who was on Lucha Underground. Oh, yeah. So, um, And you know all your Without a Cause shirts are going to be there. He's,
0: he's the so. pizza guy, right? That's him, yep. That's right, the pizza man. <laughs> so when are we going to see some Taylor Bartle merch?
1: Uh, there's actually, there is a Commissioner Bartle shirt under the Without a Cause section of Brainbuster Buster T. Is, it says wrestlers have the right of way.
0: Oh, very nice, very nice. And from time to time, there might be even a... Uh... A code out there somewhere that you might be able to save some percentage on these things, but uh, I don't know if there is right now.
1: Not at the moment, but uh, I think Halloween there probably will be.
0: Big sales coming at Halloween. He said so. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we man, uh, we just talked for so long. It sounds like we could talk again sometime, which we hopefully will once we get back to uh, some wrestling here. You got anything you want to put over, man? Uh, Taylor, thanks for coming on here today, uh, and I appreciate you very much, man. Uh, anything else you want to say before we head off?
1: No, just s- support your local indie.
0: Where can we follow you personally on social media?
1: Uh, I am on Twitter at the Taylor Bartle or on Instagram as Taylor of terror.
0: Taylor of terror on Instagram, baby. Anyway, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, but anyway, man, have a great night and, uh, hopefully, hopefully here in 2021, we'll be seeing each other soon.
1: Sounds great. Thank you very much.
0: This episode recorded at the Bigfoot headquarters. This has been a Swagamore production. production.